Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Greetings, comrades, and welcome to the Eastern Border. This episode is going to be one of those political ones again, but on a slightly different note than before. We will still have to deal with all the implications of the migrant crisis and everything, but we have um, slightly more urgent matters to deal with right now. Those matters would be, again, and this is, I suppose, fourth or maybe fifth time on the show when I mention this, another war between Russia and Ukraine. And uh, I don't even know what's going to happen because, oh boy... This is one of those deep end studies, and I wanted to touch on this already before I even started recording. However, I'd like to say that um, the fact that I saw on Rossiyadzin, on the first Russian channel, where in live television Dmitry Kiselyov basically pointed out Russia's invasion plans of the Baltics, and of the Suvalki Corridor, and of Gotland, no less, because, you know, if they close the Suvalki Corridor and they take Gotland, then there is literally no way how NATO forces could actually swiftly come for aid of the Baltics. Yeah, you know, after all that, I decided that um, this needs a bit bit more of a serious look here. And um, one of the more interesting people whose opinions I wanted to hear on this matter, and who often comments on such issues is none other than Igor Girkin, known as Strelkov, who was one of the leaders of the Donetsk separatists in 2014. Now he's fallen out of favor with the Kremlin. However, he still manages to basically command attention in some Russian opposition circles. Even though Dmitry Pushilin now runs Donbass, Dmitry Pushilin, if you've heard my MMM episode, who used to be very active in all that scam circle, yeah, Igor Girkin was kind enough to recently give a speech on Roy TV and um, try to explain how the evil Western countries are clearly planning aggression against Russia. Well, Donbass and by extension Russia. And that all is a huge political mess. Now, I have to give credit where credit's due. Some points of his sound reasonable, maybe, because Zelensky has got his own problems. But... There are a lot of statements from Russia's side that also makes a person wary. And especially since, you know, our good old buddy Lukashenko, who's undeniably one of the quote-unquote greatest dictators still living on the planet. Uh, Yeah. Let's try to untangle this mess. I hope that you'll get something from this episode. 
Oh, before we go, I'd like to say that please don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Facebook, or just, you know, PM us uh, with emails or something. Oh, yeah, and also we're on TikTok now because a listener of ours asked us to basically communicate with another person who apparently does some, well, Eastern European news and politics on there, and I have an account there. However, I still have no idea whatever should I post on TikTok. If you have any ideas about that, yeah, please, uh, please let us know as well. But now, let's get on with the show. So, what's happening right now is that approximately 100,000 Russian troops have been amassed near the Russian-Ukraine border. And recently, in the Zapad 2021 exercises, up to 200,000 Russian and Belarusian forces participated. So, a lot of observers worry that these exercises are largely a pretense and the soldiers' stay may be more permanent. United States military intelligence reported that Russia may be preparing as many as 175,000 troops for offensive operations into Ukrainian territory. Secretary of State Antony Blinken stated that, quote, We don't know whether President Putin has made the decision to invade. We do know that he is putting in place the capacity to do so in short order. Now, Moscow officially calls claims that it plans to attack its southern neighbor a falsity, obviously. After all, military exercises are, well, quite routine. However, they also say some um, different things. For example, after this happened, at the meeting with Russia's Presidential Human Rights Council, Vladimir Putin stated that current events in eastern Ukraine are, quote, very reminiscent of genocide, end quote. Putin offered these remarks in response to a question from Rashia Shevodnya, executive director Kirill Vishninsky, about the need to codify the concepts of genocide and inciting genocide in Russia's justice system. Putin stated that, quote, I should say that Russophobia is a first step towards genocide. What's happening now in the Donbass, you and I can see it, we know, is very reminiscent of genocide, which you mentioned. Putin stated, stressing the need to proceed carefully in order to avoid devaluing concepts like genocide. Well, this is um, interesting, really, because, for one, starting from next year, there will be no mention of the Holocaust Memorial Day in Russian school textbooks. At least, this is uh, what I literally heard two days ago in the news, but they're being investigated, so that might not happen. However, that is a bit of a serious thing, and one thing that you can, you know, attribute to Putin is that he's not an anti-Semitic person, and uh, this, what was it, 25th of January, where Soviet forces liberated the Auschwitz camp. That should be in the box, right? But now they're trying to take that one out, so a uh, bit iffy there. I guess some local government and some locals on the spot at schools and, and some people in the ministries will have to probably pay for this with their jobs or something. However, we have been speaking about possible invasion of Russia in Ukraine for a while now. And we've also been talking about the whole situation in Donbass since, well, forever. Hey, I even went there myself. And that was what? Two years ago? Maybe three? I think it was either two or three years ago. Well, think about it. This is silly in general because it's been going on in slow simmer for such a long time. Basically, everything has happened since 2014 and it's going to be entering its eighth year of clashes and everything. And... Nothing really has changed. Except, of course, the Ukrainian military forces. And they have about 125,000 now. They're slightly outnumbered by Russia, but they're possibly going to be fighting a defensive war or an offensive war, if you listen to the absolute far right of Russia. 
So, hey, who knows? But at least on those borders, the forces are probably evenly matched. Approximately evenly matched, if you think about. If Ukraine is to fight a defensive war, then they stand a chance. But all these plans and all this warmongering just disturbs the mood for me a lot. Some people tend to revel in this. And you guys know that I listen to a lot of um, weirder side of Russian media. You know, probably everyone who listens to this show also follows, like, I don't know, BBC or Euronews or Politico, both the American version and the European one. They just um, kind of post out the plans of everything and sometimes get reports from people inside there. But there's a lot of smaller informational channels in Russia. And I follow them all because, you know, at this point, this is my job, after all, to bring you all the news. And I was I was quite surprised that uh, I posted this tweet recently where I just posted a screenshot of what I saw in this Russia Jin on this news channel. And this got to be one of my more successful tweets. For one, I know that the spokesperson for the Dutch Ministry of Defense even retweeted that and liked it. So that's cool, I suppose. And now I've got a, got a bunch of new listeners. So, And, and what's done to me really is the fact that, you know, I'm, I'm not that small of a show. I've got plenty of listeners. And uh, normally, you know, my tweets don't get a lot of retweets or likes because it's just normal because of who my audience is. I mean, everyone here is an adult. I don't have a lot of 13-year-olds listening to the show or anything. Most people are about my age or older. You know, adult people doing adult things, and most of us just don't bother that much with retweeting or, or anything like that. However, this time, this time it was different. People who are, like, famous journalists followed and retweeted, and, and what struck me as odd is the fact that this is somehow a surprise. And uh, one of the responses there, and this is all tied together, I promise you guys. One of the responses was that people asked me two things. One, why are the people in the screenshot using an English language map? Well, because they took a NATO map with all the kind of places where NATO soldiers are. It was a publicly available map, and they just took it and drew over it. That's normal. That's what Rashia Jin does, because posting maps in English about NATO troops and NATO movements and, you know, Ukrainian troops and Ukrainian sometimes, yeah, it kind of um, creates this otherness in people and it makes everyone in Russia feel more, you know, insecure. To say NATO's just outside our borders and stuff like that. And I firmly believe that a lot of people in Russia actually think and believe that NATO is going to invade at some point, which 100% sure that no, 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 we won't. And second question was the fact that, where can I watch the whole show in English? And that struck me as really odd, because, hey, if um, if I'm the main show out there that actually does all this reporting from Russia and uh, all this Soviet history stuff, because, you know, there's, of course, shout-out goes out to Russell Files United, but he does movies, and he does, like, purely cinema stuff, right? If this information would be in English, I wouldn't have even started my own show, because I don't know where you can watch Rashia Jin in English that are very few opportunities to even watch clips of them in English on YouTube. So I just responded about um, about this tweet in the sense that, well, I don't know, get Rashiyajin and learn some Russian and then just watch them on, I don't know, Monday evenings or something. Just watch their news. And then I was called Russophobic again because obviously that's how this works. This ties together with the whole war thing because... This has increased in numbers again, because right now I give about 55% chance of what actually happening, which is a lot. A lot, a lot. Since what we're seeing here is kind of this disbelief 
an agitation on the Western part, because if a tweet about a possible invasion to the Baltic states gets a lot of attention from people who are higher up in military hierarchy than you would expect. And if Russian television, who've been claiming that the Baltics are all Russophobic and that no one's going to invade and that, you know, we're just afraid of Russia, Russia's never going to invade anyone. And they've shifted gears to saber-rattling. So, yeah, I think I think that kind of means something and really doesn't help me at all to put my mind at ease. But besides these people, and this is Rashia Jin, besides these people, like I said, I follow all the tinier, smaller Russian news channels, and, and one of them is this Roy TV, where Girkin is a guest oftentimes, and he's a monarchist, and he used to run Donbass, and I think we we made an episode about Girkin previously, so you can just go check that one out. I'm not going to go into much detail about him, but uh, just know that he's a guy who basically staged up the whole Donbass uprising and, and worked there. What he stated in an interview is the fact that he for sure, apparently, knows that there's a bunch of Western troops and, and Ukrainian troops supported by the West who are now massing in the eastern parts of Ukraine. But he obviously says that everything that's happening right now is a clear sign of evil Western aggression. Hello there. Thank you for tuning in into another episode of The Eastern Border. We are so happy to announce that this episode is brought to you by our friends at rusansov.com. If you're looking to buy new art, don't forget to use the code EASTERNBORDER for a discount on us. Remember, head over to rusansov.com and happy shopping! If, however, you want to support our show directly, head over to patreon.com or our website theeasternborder.lv to find out how you can help out. For all things Eastern Border, don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Discord. And as always, thank you so much for supporting us. We really appreciate each and every one of you. That's all from me now. See you online. This podcast brought to you by RussianVoiceOvers.eu. Enjoy. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Weirdly enough, Girkin states that, from his resources on the ground, that is, that all this potential war, which he calls the war of Western aggression, but of course he would. I mean, that's Igor Girkin, aka Strelkov. Well, he's a monarchist, after all. 
And he wants to restore not the Soviet Union, but the Russian Empire to its previous borders. So, hey, listeners in Finland, you watch out too. But he states that, weirdly enough, all this Ukraine war, which you've heard a lot about recently, rests upon the shoulders of none other than Transnistria. The place where Sheriff Tiraspol come from, if you listen to that episode of mine. Since, well, he foresees two kind of possibilities of how this is going to go. Note, he presumes that the West is going to strike first. By the West, he means <clears throat> Ukraine and their NATO overlords. Mostly United States, because he considers Ukrainians to be a puppet government of the United States, and he believes that the United States are doing all of this for their own geopolitical reasons. So, he thinks that Zelensky wants to do all this mess because he lacks political stability at home, because obviously he would think in Putin's terms or imperial terms only of these huge geopolitical scales. So, he believes that Ukraine could invade Donbass with all of their might, all of their troops, but then they would get bogged down there, and uh, the operation would take some time, basically at least a week or so, and that would give Moscow enough time to react. And then Moscow could either, you know, climb down on the Baltics, at least threaten the borders here, and use Belarus to maybe tie down the Suvalki Corridor from the west, and they could lock down the Black Sea, and then, if everything goes according to their plan, then Russia, as it would be necessary for them to protect their citizens in Donbass, uh, let me remind you the fact that these so-called citizens of Russia and Donbass, they have been given the Russian citizenship extra fast, and that happened about two years ago or something. Because, you know, we're talking geopolitical games after all, they they don't happen that swiftly. And um, in such a manner, you know, it would look nice for Russia, they'd be the liberators, and the Ukrainian forces would be caught in, in a trap, essentially. And then the major plan of um, the people on the ground there, because they hope this goes this way, is that they would just stomp all over Russia and um, conquer territory all all the way up to Dnieper. That's their big ideal scenario, after all. I mean, that's what is the most optimistic scenario, because, again, as Girkin has stated in many of his interviews, and, well, when I say Girkin, I mean, as he still has ties to all the separatists there, basically people on the ground. People on the ground and the separatist camp and... Well, consequently, also quite a lot of people in the, these so-called private military companies. The worst-case scenario, which he thinks the West is going to pull off, is if they blockade Transnistria. That's the best-case scenario for West, because there's a Russian army base in there. It's basically kind of like a Moldovan Donbass. And if there's a full siege, then that could be disastrous, but that requires Moldovan cooperation. So, he believes that Ukrainians could go first together with the Moldovan people and just blockade Transnistria, and then that would just force Putin's hand, and Putin would have to attack, and then, well, in the West, as he states, nobody would even bother with um, the bad press and everything, and, and people would just, you know, dump even more sanctions on Putin, and then Putin would just have to fight an offensive war of his own, with uh, full dug-in Ukrainian troops. However, he states that there's a lot of issues with this, since 
in Moldova, they're having their issues between the parliament and everything. So, hey, who knows? This might end up weirder than usual. But this is the thing, because he firmly believes that all of these Russian troops, that they actually want to fight. That they're in a position to fight, and that they will go forth and do all their tasks. And this is a weird attitude, since he also once and has called for complete Russification of Ukraine. And if you remember, one of my recent episodes was about Holodomor, which is one of the darkest episodes ever made. But yeah, there are a lot of people there in Russia who still consider Ukraine to be an artificial construct. A place not to be worked with in coordination or some cooperation, but to be oppressed. And sadly, that somewhat applies also to the Baltics. And when you think about it, why would people want a war? Because a total war would be just ridiculously stupid in this day and age. Well, you have to look at the geopolitical causes of all the situation, since, like I mentioned in my previous episode, a lot of people in all the other post-Soviet states don't want the return of the Soviet Union. However, a lot of people in Russia actually would um, quite much encourage it, or so the polls tell us. Meanwhile, other political commentators, such as Alexander Nevzorov, whom I consider to be somewhat of a mentor, even though I don't even know he knows about my own existence. Yeah, uh, they post that all of this is mainly just posturing. Because the generals in Russia, same as with any other country, really, they just always prepare for the previous war. And that, well, Putin is just using this as saber-rattling towards Biden. However, a lot of people in the United States have also emailed us and commented to the fact that, well... The United States apparently needs a conflict right now. Well, so at least I have to give credit to Benjamin Jacobs from Wittenberg to Westphalia. Go check that show out as well. That um, the United States probably, that Biden himself specifically, would benefit from another war. But, you know, Putin's playing a power game here. Putin is definitely ready to push some buttons that uh, previously other leaders and rulers before him would not. Putin has always been like this way. I mean, if you remember 2014, Putin is a cunning man. He is certainly sneaky and certainly smart. Very intelligent. You gotta give respect there. But what he's up to, I think, is that he's just, as usual, trying to push whatever he can. Trying to see how far can he go. He will always do that. <laughs> kind of like checking out the strength of the EU and of the United States. Because... If he smells weakness, he will pounce on it. Sometimes I, I think that the collective West really needs to go one step further and give some pushbacks. Like with many other cases, this one isn't going to solve itself. And, you know, after viewing weird things on television about how, you know, invasion plans of my own country, Latvia, tends to get a bit iffy. But... I do believe that we kind of should stop self-criticizing ourselves since a lot of people in the West tend to do so. You know, we just get posts about how terrible everything here is and remember that it's not as bad, actually. We're doing pretty well. We're pretty good at this. And if we have time to, you know, worry about nonsensical issues, then, hey, maybe we should, you know, cut down on this just a bit. Just maybe. 
maybe focus on some um, other things. You know, because, well, Russia's not really going to go anywhere. At least while Putin's in charge. And they're always going to try to solve that internal problems with um, influence in other countries. So, I give this whole scenario a chance to happen about 55% again. But yeah, like I said, I, I gave you the info on how Girkin and the people on the ground see this whole war of Western aggression. What really might happen, though, is... Well, and again, this is my opinion, but this comes from uh, analysis of a ton of Soviet military reports and how Soviets plan to attack the Western Europe and how, well, Russian military plan to attack Europe because, well, I contacted some of my folks on Telegram who give me info and they told me that, yeah, the most likely scenario is exactly the one that I posted on Twitter. If that would be to war with NATO, then cutting down the Suvalki Corridor and grabbing Gotland would be the first priority there. What, and then cutting off the Black Sea, obviously, because if the NATO troops want to actually fight with Russia, then to stop them, they would need to go and be on Ukrainian soil. And Baltics would be quite easy to fall first. Poland would be kind of a harder not. Poland would be probably the border, but um, grabbing all of Ukraine and grabbing the Baltics, yeah, sadly, I think... If Russia would concentrate their efforts and would be commanded by competent people, that would sadly prove to be kind of a really not much difficult at all. But yeah, let's let's just hope that this does not happen, since all these rumors are driving me crazy and I always want to find out more about them. But just so you knew, over there in Russia, at least in the military and on the ground, yeah, people are preparing for war. But, you know... We've always been telling on this show since I interviewed the members of our local militia here that a war is coming at some point. It has always been going in this direction. The thing is that it's kind of similar where similar to the position that we all want to be high and mighty and very politically correct and nice to other people. But sometimes you kind of have to get your hands dirty and just saying that maybe, just maybe, if we would um, prepare for the possibility of war a little bit better, then, you know, we might avoid it altogether. To that note, I do have to give thanks to all the Canadian troops serving in Latvia since, well, our military base and all the NATO presence in Latvia are mostly Canadians. And I've heard only good things about Canadians so far. So, hey, if you guys are listening to this, let me know. I'd be happy to meet you. And God bless Canada. And with that, I'm out. And uh, I've written a message to people with the Wisdom app. I think they're going to move the whole thing about a month or so. But I'm not sure exactly. I'll try to do everything tomorrow, as we've mentioned on the previous episodes of the show. But most likely it's going to be moved a bit since, uh, while I was recording this, they said that, oh, they don't have an Android app and I had signed up for the Android date. Uh, well, we'll just see how this goes. At any rate, it's... Uh, It's a bit difficult to plan out currently, but we'll be back for the migrant episode and we'll be back for more Soviet airplanes. Because these political episodes are, as usual, quite hard for me to do, especially when, since you really have to do a pick and choose from everything that you want to ever cover, possibly. You know, not that easy. Finally, I have to say that when our webpage is back and, well, we're still struggling with the calculator, 
of uh, the shipping costs. And, you know, in this COVID era, people are just not that eager to do their jobs properly. But hey, what can you do? However, you can follow us on Twitter, eastern underscore border. Please visit our homepage, theeasternborder.lv. If you clicked on the link, well, welcome here. Please become our patrons and patreon.com slash theeasternborder, all one word. Or, you know, just go to our homepage and click on the donate button there to, well, PayPal us some funds, which helps the show grow and keep us going. Since, you know, there are a lot of expenses involved and uh, a lot of things happen in life, which... Um, which are not that nice, so to speak. And if you have any questions or recommendations or, or just want to visit Lafayette for one, yeah, if you ever come here, tour the beers on me, because, well, hey, I always meet everyone who visits. And on that note, see you in the next episode, which is going to be historic. Talon series are back, so we'll get to that too. Do svidanje, tvarish! Thank you for listening to the Eastern Border Show. If you have any questions or comments, go to our website, theeasternborder.lv, and leave a comment there. Or email us at theeasternborder at gmail.com. We'll be sure to answer. You can also follow us on social media and contact us there. If you enjoyed this episode, then leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and tell your friends about us. It really helps us grow the show. And remember, happiness is mandatory. Happiness is mandatory.